Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Mully and Haw. Live and local. Chicago Sports Talk for your morning on 670 The Score. Welcome back. It's Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Layla Rahimi in for Mully today. We're having a lot of fun talking about all things Cubs, Sox. Haven't gotten to the Bears yet, but we promise we will. We have to argue about something as it pertains to the Bears, I'm sure. We talked about the NBA All-Star game, but right now, we're talking about the Sox quest to build their own ballpark in the South Loop, which brings us to our score hotline. Circus Sports Illinois hotline is uh, the sponsor, and our guest is executive editor and publisher of Crane Chicago Business, Jim Kirk. Download the Circus Sports app today. Jim, appreciate you joining us this morning. How are you? Good. Great to be here. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. So Crane's had this story on Friday, and the lead is – Jerry Reinsdorf is preparing to ask Governor, Governor J.B. Pritzker and other state leaders for roughly $1 billion in public money to build his team a new home in the South Loop. I describe that as an audacious ask. I think it is. I wonder how you would describe it. I th- you know, any, any deal like this is going to require uh, an incredible upfront um, uh, cost. And the question is whether you're, you're funded enough well enough to do it yourself. Uh, Ricketts had to do that. You just, you know, ask the Ricketts and, and what they had to do in order to build up around Wrigley and, and complete the renovations at, at their ballpark. Uh, if you don't have those kinds of funds, you, you really have no choice but to go ask for it. And the way it's been in Illinois and in the city of Chicago with these, with these teams, both the Sox and, and the Bears as well, is that they, they have gone back to the state to ask for money in the past and, what, they, what the Sox are looking for now is really to extend what's already in place, uh, and, and that's going to be, from a political standpoint, from a taxpayer standpoint, that's going to be the big question mark going forward is whether or not taxpayers, the governor, have the appetite to to take this on and extend what essentially has been a tax for the past uh, few decades. I think that's a big piece of this. Jim is also trying to figure out which taxes are paying for what. There's TIFs involved as well. But also the understanding that some of this is building off of a soldier field renovation tax that is most certainly not paid off. That's exactly right. And and I think in the latest state report, capital report, they even said that, you know, some of this was induced by the pandemic, is that, you know, a, a lot of what has paid for the renovation at Soldier Field and of course building of Comiskey, which is now guaranteed rate. Uh, has been based on the hotel tax, a 2% hotel occupancy tax uh, that has been in place and has serviced the, the bonds that were floated to to pay for both the renovation and, and the building a guaranteed rate. I think what's interesting about the, the deal that Reinsdorf and related its development partner-related Midwest have floated is like, look, they're saying to the governor and, the, and taxpayers, 
we're not asking essentially for a new tax. We're a- asking to just extend what we have in place. The benefit that the the, the related and, and the White Sox really have in this deal is that really there's there's right now there's an open vacant spot of land that's very big, has been has been vacant for decades. There there is a tiff down there, uh, and we're talking the space between basically the Chicago River and Clark Street from Roosevelt North to almost Chinatown to the south. And they're saying, look, that's already that's already in place. That was that was there for a, a big mixed use development, you know, that was that was going to be built before the pandemic. Then possibly a casino. You know, <clears throat> we can start right now pretty quickly putting shovels in the ground uh, and, and do the infrastructure that's needed to to set this in motion. The bigger question would, I think, would, would make it more difficult and more expensive, obviously, if you had to tear stuff down, if you had to move a lot of things from an infrastructure standpoint. That's just not the case here. So you could see where the, the Sox and, and a, a partner could make a pretty good case for saying we can unlock a lot of potential revenue down the road with entertainment, you know, as, as you guys have seen, right? It's whether it's SoFi Stadium, building a state. It's not just about building a stadium anymore. It's really about building around it that uh, is key to unlocking any kind of potential big revenue going forward. It's less about the the you know the turnstile and more about what you can build around it. Talking with Jim Kirk, the publisher and executive editor of Crane Chicago Business, about the White Sox quest to build a ballpark in the South Loop. I know you'd rather be talking about the White Sox rotation, Jim. I know you're a Sox fan, <laughs> but we'll, uh, we'll table that for now. I, I hope that you can explain in a way that maybe we have struggled to articulate, but the, the ISFA, the Illinois Sports Facilities Authority, is right now the financing vehicle that is going to be in play here. It could be in play for the Bears as well. There could be a race to find out who can use it first, but it relates to the way I understand it, a, a clause that was tucked into legislation in 2021, and it, it allows some some flexibility here. Can you explain what role the ISFA will play in whatever future project the, the White Sox are planning in the South Loop? Yeah, I mean, essentially, they 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 are uh, the 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 landlord or owner of whatever gets built. I mean, they're they're the vehicle in which they to you know the they they they're the financing the financier of anything that's going to get built or in, in the case of of Soldier Field, anything that gets renovated over a certain amount of uh, money. And so they they're key to all of this, and obviously it's a it's it's um, uh, state appointed you know uh, lots of connections to the state state and city. Uh, without without that vehicle, you you cannot you know, you know tap into any kind of uh, tax dollars to to finance any kind of building or pre building that needs to be done. So they're essentially you know they are they are the key to this, and the question is. I, always has been, you know, is is there going to be enough revenue uh, to be able to service the bonds over the long term? We've seen that, you know, as we've gotten closer to, um, you know, paying off the the bonds at least for for uh, guaranteed rate, you know, it's it has not been the best bargain probably for the state or or taxpayers over the long haul. Now you've had a pandemic. Been there, so you know, you know, the tax revenues coming in from the hotels to help service for, service those bonds has just not been there in the past few years, 
And, you know, as interest rates get higher, it's harder to keep, you know, uh, uh, borrowing against that, that uh, those revenues that are are supposed to come in. Uh, It's a, it's a tricky bet for the state and tricky bet for taxpayers going forward. That said, you know, in both the case, the case of the bears and the white Sox, there's nothing, no, no other revenues really coming in outside of maybe some naming rights for, uh, guaranteed rate uh, around those those facilities to be able to help uh, pay for this. I think what's interesting with 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 at least what the White Sox have floated is really can they can they get people down in that South Loop? I mean, it's close enough. You you look at the plan; it's close enough to 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 attract potential pe- more people living uh, in, in 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 more density downtown. To perhaps stick around even when they're, you know, in the winter when they're not, you know, when the Sox aren't playing, to build enough of an entertainment district to help help fund, um, uh, make it more palatable. The question is, from a p- political standpoint, is there enough political cover for state officials to to really back a plan like this? And uh, I think that's going to be the key. And, and both Reinsdorf and uh, Jerry Reinsdorf and um, uh, related Midwest have been obviously courting local and, and state officials very, very heavily over the past several weeks to try to convince them on this plan. The big question is going to be, as you said, David, you know, this is a, this is where do the bears fit in all this, right? We haven't really seen a downtown plan. It does look like, and we reported this, that they want to be downtown as opposed to Arlington Heights. Not like the Cook County assessor is giving them any help in Arlington Heights as well. School districts, there's a, the Bears and, and the, the school districts up in Arlington Heights are about $100 million apart in terms of what they feel should be the evaluation of the land that they have acquired up there. So it really looks like their focus at this point is really for a downtown stadium. And what that looks like in terms of, you know, building a stadium that could, you know, possibly be an indoor stadium that could host a Super Bowl, that could uh, host an NCAA Final Four tournament, all of that is a lot more expensive than what we're even talking about with the White Sox. So that race for those ISFA dollars is really uh, key here. Wait, hold on. So you mean to tell me, and we are talking to Jim Kirk from Crane Chicago Business right now, that the Bears bought the land at Arlington Heights, and you believe that there is a very high likelihood that they don't actually build there? I, I think it's very possible that they would stay in the city. I think, look, the NFL, they, they like their franchises to be in, in, in big, big cities, it's in their, especially in a big market like Chicago. This is a huge football NFL town for, for you know, and, and I, I think even they would, if, if all things worked out, they would like to see a, down, a, a stadium in the city as well. Yeah, so Jim, I want to understand this correctly because I, I have put it in these terms too, and I just want to be clear. It sounds like there is a somewhat of a virtual race between the Bears and the Sox, Kevin Warren and Jerry Reinsdorf, if you will. And I wonder, what is the urgency of the deadline? Does the ISFA clause expire at the end of the year? And is it, I guess a follow-up to that would be, is it inconceivable, and I think the, I know the answer, though, but is it inconceivable that both franchises would continue to pursue this and theoretically have new stadiums on the south side? I, I think, you know, the, I think that's that's the, I was going to say, million-dollar question. It's really a billion-dollar question is whether or not uh, there is enough financing for, for two stadiums to be built. 
and whether or not even there could be some kind of uh, interesting uh, proposal through ISFA that would finance two stadiums. Now, I, I just, at this point, obviously the, the, the White Sox plan has does not obviously include a separate stadium for for the Bears, but it's not inconceivable that either the mayor or the governor try to figure something out. I have no idea if whether, whether they, uh, if there's been any discussion of some some big uh, development plan like that. I, it doesn't sound like it at this point. But as of right now, it, essentially, it is kind of a race for for uh, a limited pool of funds uh, that could be used to to fund one or two stadiums. Given your knowledge of just reporting on deals in general. And how mature the process already seems to be when it comes to the discussion about this White Sox ballpark. How much of it do you think has been behind the scenes and uh, happened already, at least talking to Major League Baseball? We've got, of course, the commissioner on the record as well in Rob Manfred. What's the likelihood of all this happening in some way, shape or form? I, like everything in in, uh, in politics in Chicago, there's there's always a lot going on behind the scenes that we don't find out about until later. But I do think there, I, I, as I said earlier, that I, I do think the White Sox and related have been sort of masterful in terms of being able to get everybody at so far uh, aligned and on board with the plans. Even you know Alderman Pat Dow, who's who's uh, who's ward. Uh, is is in uh, you know has would include the new stadium. She's even given te- given a tepid um, support given what she's seen so far, which have been really limited in terms of details. The big question is whether the governor can get on board, whether he feels that uh, uh, that it's 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 uh, obviously needed in terms of state involvement. And whether or not really politically, uh, you know, just the essentially extending the hotel tax like that uh, is, is gives him a political enough cover, I think, to uh, to feel comfortable to move forward. This might be outside your area of expertise, but you are a Sox fan. You have been to Guaranteed Rate Field a bunch. And I know that you, you care about the franchise and you are an expert on, on what it's like to be at a Sox game. Has that stadium, has that ballpark outlived its usefulness? Do you think that it makes sense for them to want to move on? And if they do, in fact, carry out all of these plans, what happens there? Yeah, I, you know, David, I think you know that I've, I've obviously in a group of season ticket holders for a long time, been a uh, Sox fan forever. And, you know, I think that when that uh, when that stadium was first built, it was built, it was the last of the traditional old ballparks and where you didn't really where it was like people were just coming to the game and then leaving and going back home uh and and, and none of the entertainment stuff was even a, a a concept at the time around there but as you've seen over over the past few decades it's it's completely the economics of stadiums and ballparks and and how you run how you run a team uh have completely changed and you know, I, I would say, you know, from the experience inside the park, it's much more of a family-friendly uh, experience than what I what I witnessed even growing up, which was a different different type of ballpark when it was with the old Comiskey, and even in the early days of the uh, new Comiskey, they've done a lot of renovation uh, over the years to to make it more family-friendly. 
really, uh, you know, in, in order to extract the revenue probably needed to uh, compete with these other markets, and even in Chicago, I mean, look what the Cubs have done on their own uh, to even build up more around Wrigley. Um, you, you, you do, you know, the, the price of entry right now is really building an entertainment district to to get the young fans uh, to stick around and and and. Uh, keep the revenue coming in to pay for the players, all of that. You know, it's just, it's a, the economics are completely different than they were 30 years ago. Jim Cranes has done a terrific job on, on both of these stadium stories. Keep up the good work and really appreciate you joining us this morning. Thanks. Great to talk to you guys. Jim Kirk, the publisher and executive editor at Crane Chicago Business, kind of clarifying a lot of things about the story that was dropped on Friday. Jerry Reinsdorf plans to Talk to Governor Prisker about a uh, billion dollars in public subsidies to build a new home in the South Loop. Good, good information there from Jim. Yes, and my immediate thought was, good luck with all that. <laughs> well, it's 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 just fascinating time if you care about such things. I know there's enough to worry about with the Bears QB one debate and the White Sox trying to avoid a hundred loss season and all of the things. But when you see the simultaneous pursuit of new stadiums new homes for the Bears and the White Sox and how he described it again as a virtual race to find out who gets there first. That's some good drama behind the scenes, and you know there's some stuff going on behind the scenes. I just, I still can't get over the, because I haven't heard a likelihood discussion. I still can't get over him saying that he thinks based on the tax evaluation that the Bears would bail after buying the property at all. Well, Layla, I think though, I understand where you're coming from, but I also think that, we go back, and who was the president of the Bears when they purchased that land? Ted Phillips. Ah, uh, yes, Ted and, and I do wonder if, if this move or this shift in philosophy from all-in Arlington Heights to shifting the focus, according to the Cranes report, to the south lot, south of Soldier Field, is a reflection of Kevin Warren's affection for the city of Chicago. Then that is potentially a $197 million mistake. It would seem. It would seem so. I'm not disagreeing with that. I think so. I think you're right, but I don't know what they would do with that land or what they would get in return. I don't know that they would. I'm not a real estate, commercial real estate expert to know that they couldn't turn around and sell it for more or uh, or the similar price. I don't know that, Layla, but I do think that it's easy to assume that it seems like from the surface if they don't build a football stadium there, a entertainment district surrounding that football stadium, then yes, they made a $198 million mistake. Oh, that's terrifying. Like I'm bothered when I lose a 10, you know? <laughs> I hear you. I'm just waiting for the next the next phase, because I think the White Sox in this virtual race would seem to be closer to winning it. They are they are down the road further than the Bears, it would seem, in the south part of the city, in the south loop, as they say. Right now, the Bears are at Soldier Field, the museum campus. The White Sox are eyeing the south loop. I would love to know what Brandon Johnson, the mayor of Chicago, really thinks about this. We talked about the political the political ramifications. Does the mayor of Chicago really going to f- appear behind a microphone and answer questions about how a billion dollars in subsidies is okay with him when there's so many other priorities and those are dollars that are being allocated for a baseball park? 
rather than the other things in the city of Chicago that you could justify allocating public money for? I'm sorry, but when I moved here eight years ago, the state budget also seemed like a massive concern at the time. (sighs) Just saying. (laughs) Casual observation. State budget, city budget, it's a lot of public money that you wonder is a billion dollars to help a billionaire build his own ballpark a worthwhile use of those funds. We could go on all day. I don't know uh, if people want to. If you do, 312-644-6767. If not, we should talk a little Bears before we get to Matt Fortuna from the Athletic, or from Matt, Matt Fortuna, the college football insider, at 845. We want to talk to Matt about some things going on in college football. When we come back, maybe a little Bears talk with Layla Rahimi, who's in for Mully. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 score. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, Original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Mornings with Mully and Haw on 670 The Score. Tremendous growth for Justin. I told you, like I've said when I was there, like he's one of the, the best human beings I've ever got to work with. It's just the, the mentality that he brought every day, the consistent approach, the kind of man that he is. Just really, it was a blessing to work with him. And, you know, he was someone that just came to work every day to get better and better, and I think he'll continue to do so. Welcome back. It's Mullion Hodge, Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score, Layla Rahimi in for Mullion. I'm glad she's here. My brain finally started working, I think, it- Seven. Yeah, and I'm glad you're here because that was Luke Getze talking about the blessing that Justin Fields was in his life. So great to work with Justin Fields. He got him fired. Is there a possibility or that did he's he? actually speaking the truth, though, and it just wasn't a good fit for both I parties? do think he's speaking the truth. Thank you. Yes, like, I think is Luke Getze. that a possibility? I'm surprised that you agree with that. Because I know you're not the biggest Getze supporter. No, I think his game decisions were terrible. I, I loved his I, I loved his scripted plays. Big fan of the script. The first fifteen, he was yeah, great. Fun, interesting. Third and third and short, forget it. Little yellow, fourth and short, different. worse. I did not like his short yardage stuff. Red zone problems, but I do. His I do, game plan for Tyson Bajet was fun. Also, I I do think he's sincere when he's saying he really appreciates Justin Fields the person, right? What do you yes. think was causing you to think so much? Maybe think too much. But I, you know, could be, uh, you know, uh, coaching. <laughs> but here's the thing: I also think that Getzi's just good at that in general. I think Getzi's the kind of guy who could probably fire you with a smile on your face. Yes, the way he would pleasantly say execution when he's really throwing people under the bus for his play design. Like, let's not. Let's not also understand that piece of it. Okay, but I want you to come. I want you to give a little here because I know you've been very critical of Luke Getzey. 
And I want you to at least acknowledge a couple things. I agree with that. He does. He, he has a smile on his face, and he's like, yeah, I'll really basically say, not my fault. Like, oh, yeah, I, yeah. well, and, I, I drew this play up where all the people go to the same spot on the field, and that's not me. No, and that, I gladly, that kind of is you, Luke. And I gladly, many a Friday morning after the Thursday afternoon press conference, would, would point that out, hold him accountable, want to do all the things. But I also think that he did receive probably more blame than he deserved at times because I think it was more of a shared responsibility for why the offense was broken than maybe perception projected. I, 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 I was willing to give you that halfway through the season. I was willing to give that when actually the day Justin Fields said that, which I don't think he was wrong about, was that Fields famously last year said, I don't want to run as much as I did this season. Mm-hmm. And I think there was an overcorrection there. But that definitely right. But that doesn't excuse the fact that he appropriately got fired because the adjustments he made, Getsy, that is, weren't suitable. I think two things are Both true in my can world. Be true. He deserved to get fired. You had to launch him because you needed to move on. And I do think that Luke Getzey needed to be your sacrificial lamb, if you will, especially if you're bringing back the head coach. And you want to sell that. I think you had to get rid of the offensive coordinator who's got the toughest job in town, and certainly the most scrutinized. But I also believe that Luke Getze, it's ironic to me because he was never shy about pointing out the player's role in why the offense didn't work. And yet I do think that he showed some restraint on the way out in not necessarily saying things that a lot of the rest of us saw. Justin Fields left a lot of yards on the field, Layla. He was a lot, there were a lot of there were a lot of throws he was unable to make. There were a lot of receivers that he missed that were open. And while there were times when maybe Getty pointed that out, I think that the blame when he got hurt seemed longer. But to me, his your job as a coach is to put your people in positions to succeed. Like if you know Justin Fields is an excellent deep ball thrower, why don't you take a couple more shots? Take some shots. When take when some not chances. as much is on the line. And and the criticism of Can he lead his team down the field, which I've discussed a lot. And for those of you who know, it's gone viral almost every time. And everybody (laughs) seems to have a different opinion on it every time. Is that what what personnel are you using and how are you putting them in positions to succeed? Let me ask you this, And I feel like that wasn't the case. Now, listen here. We said it when when Tyson Bajant came into the game, but that was a different playbook. There were rollouts that were designed that we didn't see for fields. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, Vegas hired him based on one game. One game, Las Vegas Raiders hire him. They, they, all right, they, all right they, permanent decision based they, on temporary feeling. They hired him more Show than just one got. game. But they said that. They said that they, they were like, well, he beat us with That was the game they cited. Yeah, you're right. As if your team wasn't amidst a lot of chaos there anyway. But you just said he could fire you with a smile. He's very smooth in those situations. He sounds very football coachy. All's he, well that ends well for the both of them, perhaps. Maybe. Do you think that? That's what I was going to ask you. Now that Justin Fields is trade bait, now that the Las Vegas Raiders need a quarterback, they definitely need a quarterback after Jimmy G. Did you see that? Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. He's going to be released. He's going to have to sit out the next two games, the first two games of whatever team he's playing for next year because he violated the league's policy on performance-enhancing drugs. It it just makes you question also the physical that was involved. You know, and remember, there was a little bit of a stutter step start to that deal. 
Oh, yes. Yeah. Good memory. I thought about that. <laughs> the brain is working again. It is working again. I got three hours sleep. Caffeine guys. kicked Bear in. With me. I can't do everything all the time. I know. The processor you're, is slow. You're an iron lady. Uh, this is not Intel. I, and I'm not referring to Margaret Thatcher. You I are think definitely... I'm working on like an old, old code. Okay, like but do you, think, do you think that, back on track, that the Raiders would be interested in Justin Fields based on what you heard from Luke Getze, or is this just, you got to say nice things about the guys who you coached, even if they helped get you fired? Yeah, I feel like it's it's diplomatic all the way around. Okay. Like, it's all as well that ends well. And the quarterback they mentioned in Las Vegas was Tyson Bajan. It wasn't just <laughs> well, the fields. They've got their version of Tyson Bajan and Aiden O'Connell. And they like the way that they can maybe work with him, the Purdue late, late mid-round draft pick. I don't know if they're going to go anywhere necessarily with Aiden O'Connell. I liked him in the Big Ten. He's a local guy. You like to pull for the guys like that. But I don't know if the Raiders have ascended up the the, the list of potential homes for Justin Fields just because Luke Getzey is there. I almost think that, to me, they dropped a notch because of that. I don't think that Luke Getzey wants to coach Justin Fields again, and I don't think Justin Fields would relish playing for a guy that really put him in a box for the first four games of the season. For Justin Fields' sake, I hope that his next offensive coordinator is not Luke Getzey. How about Atlanta? I know. People want him in Atlanta. What about They're- Pittsburgh? Falcons fans are clamoring for him. Mike Tomlin is on the record saying he's a big fan of Justin Fields. Jets fans have also discussed it because I'm not getting into this crazy top five quarterback <laughs> conversation that incensed the We're going to get to that at 9 public. o'clock. Don't think you're escaping that one. Nine oh, o'clock, my word. 9 o'clock is we're going to spray to all fields, and that's one of them that we're going <laughs> to get to. there's one thing I learned, the top five quarterback discussion last week has fired some people up. But I will say this. Aaron Rodgers is, is only getting older. So I know there's a lot of Jets wow, fans can who you say that? that they want Justin Fields. They so, would love to have him. All these people saying they'd like to have him. Just yeah, saying. I know, but Layla, they want to have him because what's the alternative? Everything is about alternatives in life, and I think that when you look at the Bears' alternative, you can make the argument that you can make the argument that their alternative is better, and that, that's why there's a debate. And the Parkinson Spiegel Show is going, they're going to talk about this probably today, but also on Wednesday when they host a QB1 town hall in front of a live studio audience at the Blue Cross Blue Shield performance stage, also joined by football experts to weigh in on the QB1 debate. That's the QB1 town hall with Parkinson Spiegel, Wednesday 2 to 6. Listen right here on 670 Score or the free Odyssey app or watch it live on Twitch and YouTube. So if you are one of the experts, Layla Rahimi, deposed during that town hall and you have to say, what way would you go? Would you trade Justin Fields, or would you keep the pick and take Caleb Williams? Right now, what say you? Why can't you do both? I've always thought the Bears are leaning on both. That makes no sense. And you I know it makes no sense. You can't do that. You can't draft Caleb Williams and keep Justin Fields. Why can't you? Justin Fields, of all people, I, I sort of kind of be... maybe love you. Oh, I sort of kind of maybe love you, too. I love you I'm both sorry, equally. I'm sorry, have you not dated in the past while? That's kind of how it goes. I have not. So I have not, Layla. I'm, I'm a married man. Yeah, I've not been on the dating apps. Yeah, that's, that's kind of how it is. But I, I think in this case, Justin, I would love to see Justin Fields get a chance to work with Shane Waldron. I personally would. I would love to see that. A, an extra year of sitting behind an incumbent quarterback never hurt anyone. But would you not concede that while I, I understand the spirit of that, that you, you can do that if you're a Chiefs 
team in, in 2017 uh, going into a season coming off of a playoff appearance and you have a veteran quarterback. The Bears are, aren't that are, team. And you mean, or the 2021 Bears with uh, Andy Dalton and Justin Fields, as I was told uh, by their head coach at the time? Not a great situation there either. I just think that if you, if you do go down that road and you keep both guys, number one, you're passing up the opportunity of a lifetime if you're Ryan Poles. And secondly, you're essentially telling – both guys, you don't really believe in them, and you're not putting Caleb Williams in a, in a situation that is conducive to, to him succeeding because he's entering a locker room where he's immediately the most unpopular guy there. I don't know that he'd be unpopular. I think players do adjust. I've seen more players and former players say that they would trade it'd be confusing, and build around though. fields. It'd be confusing. It is, but it's not, it's not unprecedented by any means. I mean, look at how we saw Jordan Love progress this year. And Jordan that was, Love that would was not, the Packers' plan I, for the future. I, I get it. Jordan Love would not did not go to Green Bay with the fanfare that Caleb Williams would have coming to Chicago. No way. No, and I, I just – the problem for me is I think Fields was wronged. I think coaching absolutely matters as to people's success. And I would love to see him have the chance here, but I understand that Ryan Poles can't – he probably can't take that chance. I know you feel that, and I and I, I I disagree a little bit because I feel like when you say he was wronged, it diminishes his role in that. I think it really diminishes his role in not being an accurate passer and not progressing to the point where you could trust him to complete those passes if he had the time. I think he I think we're grading the flashes. He's got special talent. I do think he could be a starting quarterback in the NFL. The Bears have a good situation. They can make it better. That's that's always been my contention. Justin Fields is a good, serviceable even, special quarterback who can be special on occasion. But I don't know that he's a guy that you're going to win the Super Bowl because of. Man, I just think, like, you put him with Mike Tomlin, and then we talk. This isn't Mitch Trubisky here. This is a different level of talent. I know. But but I just hate the fact that, like, it might take him going to another team to prove it. Caleb Williams is a different level of talent, too. Right? So they say. So they say, my dream depth chart. We'll get to this at 9 o'clock when we're going to free-for-all hour, right? We're going to do a free-for-all hour with Layla. An all-skate, if you will. An all-skate, yes. Caleb Williams, QB1. Jimmy Garoppolo, QB2. Tyson Bajan can be the third. What do you think of that? That is that is bold. <laughs> Does Do we have Jimmy Garoppolo here for, like, the stadium pitch yes! or something? Yes, the We're handsome like, hey, man making the pitch. Here's our guy. Local guy He's comes local. home. Yes, Rolling Meadows, be happy. Don't ask me what comes after this part of the discussion. Well, we'll get back to that. You know what we got to do? I want to talk college football. I love college football. Matt Fortuna does a terrific job covering it, and he will join us next. It's Mullen Haw with Layla in from Mullen, Chicago Sports Radio 670, the score. Hey, it's a polarizing figure. There are people out there that believe that whatever Michigan does is tainted. That's up to you to decide, but... Hail, hail, Michigan. They are the champions of college football 2023. Well, that's a long time ago. Welcome back to Molly and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score, Layla Rahimi in for Molly. Seems like a long time ago, but it really wasn't that long ago. As we go to our guest, Matt Fortuna, the founder of the Inside Zone College Football's newest online community. You want to check it out because Matt does a terrific job. And he joins us now on the Circa Sports Illinois hotline. Download the Circa Sports app today. Good morning, Matt. How are you? I'm doing well, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us. So on the surface, I I think that when I see the name 
Sean Elliott from Georgia State, I'm thinking, okay, well, am I really that interested? Not really. But the head coach of Georgia State leaving for an assistant coaching job on South Carolina gets my attention because, Matt, it was the fifth time this has happened since the end of this season that a sitting head coach in a Division I level has left for a different job, a step down, an assistant coaching position. What is going on in college football? Yeah, David, not, not only that, they were two spring practices in. They were the first team to start spring ball, and they were supposed to have their spring game on March 7th. Now all of that has been tabled. They're going to get a waiver from the NCAA to essentially put a pause on their spring practice schedule. They're in the middle of a coaching search now. I will say, to play devil's advocate a little bit, I do think the Sean Elliott situation is a little unique. His family's in Columbia. He was on that staff before. I think he'd always been itching to get back there for personal reasons, and the cards just happened to line up, albeit at a pretty poor time for everyone else uh, last week in the middle of February. But certainly you're hearing people talk about burnout. You're, you're hearing people saying they're tired of the portal, of NIL, of the round-the-clock maintenance of recruiting and re-recruiting and maintaining your roster. Now, the money's pretty darn good at the highest levels of this thing, so I don't think we're setting, shedding too many tears for these guys. But if you look at the group of five level or even, you know, in the case of Boston College, which lost Jeff Hathley to the Packers to be a D.C., uh, you know, the low end power five, power four level, I guess you'd say now, um, certainly, you know, th- there's there's a trade off here. I mean, especially with the NFL salary seemingly coming up at a level which they weren't before. The, the, the great equalizer was always, you know, the NFL lifestyle is better, but you're going to get paid better at college if you're a head coach or if you're a coordinator. Now, at least at some of the, the bigger jobs in the NFL, you're seeing the reports of Jim Harbaugh's deal, of Sean Payton's deal. These guys are getting paid more in the NFL, and in some ways they're working less, so it's a pretty good deal. Yeah, I, I didn't think that I would be saying that at this point. You know, there was always the draw for college coaches of being in charge of your players, picking exactly who you wanted. You oftentimes don't have to deal with the GM, and if so, the director of player personnel position is somebody who reports to you. But I feel like that has been the case at this this has flipped the script a little bit. I wonder, Matt, if that's something that we're going to see happen with, with all the major programs as they get that position, that defense, the director of player personnel, because I used to joke about it being like a luxury item at Alabama. But given the NIL situation, it might not be a bad idea because at some point they got to delegate something. No, absolutely. And, and you're seeing, right, like the Alabamas of the world, the SEC and Big Ten schools of the world that can afford these extra positions can have bloated staffs and, and delegate some work in a way that, you know, at Boston College, they can't. When, when Jeff Hathley got there uh, right before COVID hit in 2020, you know, they had to fight with the university president just to add some creative positions there for social media. And this is a small, you know, school that, that historically, frankly, has done the bare minimum to compete, to try to compete at the highest level. And, you know, in his case, you look at a guy who had three winning seasons in four years, but a sub 500 record overall was kind of on the hot seat this year, depending on who you ask, but definitely was going to be on the hot seat entering next year at a place that, again, isn't really going to go out of its way to, to give you the resources you need to succeed when you're playing the Clemson's and Florida State of the world in the ACC. If he has a good year at Green Bay next year, if they have a dominant defense, who's to say he's not a head coach in the NFL, you know, two years from now, which, again, when you play the long game and you do the calculus, it makes sense as shocking as these moves are on the surface initially. Talking with Matt Fortuna, the founder of the Inside Zone, InsideZoneMF.com. And I think you look at the other trends in college football, 
Matt, and I wonder if this is, is one of my – I alluded to it earlier this offseason. Northwestern succeeded with David Braun. Notre Dame, I mean, mixed results, but I think they really like Marcus Freeman. They're, they have mm. recruiting evidence to, to point to. You know, you go back in Ohio State, they replaced Urban Meyer with an in-house candidate in Ryan Day. And that, to them, even though he can't beat Michigan, worked <laughs> out pretty well. Is this also going to be something we see with teams who are staying away from these – huge expenditures, these big investments that may or may not pay off because of the uncertainty and how volatile college football has been. Is that something to keep an eye on as well? Yeah, Dave, I'm glad you brought that up. I wrote a column after Michigan promoted Sean Moore, as they, they should have and as we expected to. You can make a sound argument, especially here in the Midwest, that the three biggest brains of the sport are Notre Dame, Michigan, Ohio State. Well, all three of their coaches were internal promotions of guys who were under 40 years old when they got the job, which is pretty insane when you say that out loud and hear that. But, you know, it's, again, despite the Michigan thing, which is no small factor, it's working out pretty well for Ohio State. I I would say it's working pretty good for Notre Dame. The jury's still a little bit out. You know, the record isn't what it was under Brian Kelly, but I do think the ceiling is higher under Marcus Freeman. And we saw what Jerome Moore could do as assistant coach and as a fill-in head coach last year on the national champion. So uh, when you see a school like Alabama, basically take two sitting head coaches and put them on staff. In the case of Mo Linguist from Buffalo, not even for a coordinator job, uh, along with taking King Womack, who was a successful head coach at South Alabama. Yeah, I mean, if you're a Mac head coach, no disrespect to uh, Ball State graduate Easy David, David Haw here, but uh, if you're a Mac head coach and you're getting paid not a whole lot of money relative to your peers and you're riding a bus every Tuesday or Wednesday to play in front of sparse crowds and you're having a down season and the few people who are following you are not pleased with, with your efforts. If you have a chance to increase your salary and work on a staff like Alabama's or, or another team that's a perennial playoff contender, well, what's going to give you or position position you best long-term to have a marquee job. It, it's probably going to be in, as an assistant coach on a staff that's playing on the final night of the season, because that's what ADs and, and presidents are watching and their fan base and their donors are going to say, I want someone off that staff, go get me them. And again, it, it's sad to say for some of the smaller schools and group of five schools, because it's really, really hard to keep up. They're almost playing two completely different games by two completely different rules. But you know, for one's personal career, it makes sense. Well, I also then wonder, Matt, the next question naturally is, okay, well, that used to be Alabama and Nick Saban. If you were an up-and-coming coach or a coach who needed to rehab his resume, that's where you went. And I don't know that you could say that there's a there's a clear choice as to that path right now. Like, I don't yeah, know if it's I mean, Alabama or oh, if it's sorry. elsewhere. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. Yeah, no, I, I mean, look, I, I think Saban was one of one, right? He's probably going to go down as the, the greatest coach in the history of college football. Uh, their untold number of careers from Steve Sarkeesian to Leighton Kiffin to Mike Loxley, who this guy completely saved. I mean, they were untouchable. And they went to the Saban School of Rehab. They won a ring or two. And all of a sudden, you know, I wanted to hire one of Nick Saban's guys. I don't know if that's, you know, you can really replicate that. The guy was such a, you know, forward thinker and such a, you know, unique character in far, as far as how dominant and outside the box he was. But I, I do think, you know, if you're you're a struggling coach at a group of five program, um, you want to be where, where the big brands are. I mean, you know, it worked out well for Luke Fickle. He's the head coach of Wisconsin now. But it's pretty crazy to think that Marcus Freeman got the Notre Dame head job while his mentor, the guy who coached him in college and got him into coaching, Luke Fickle, 
was stuck at Cincinnati, um, you know, for another year. It's, it's, it's just a weird uh, kind of calculus going on right now. I always think of uh, Skip Holt, loose son, told me once he got an audience with Bear Bryant as a kid following his dad around, and he said, you get one question of Coach Bryant, what, what is it? And he said, what do I got to do to make it in this business? And he said, son, be at the right place at the right time. He's like, you got to be kidding me. I, th- that's all you got to say to me? You're the greatest <laughs> coach ever. And he's like, years later, he, yeah, he was absolutely correct. That, that's absolutely the key to succeeding in this business. Up against the clock, Matt, in 30 seconds. Can you explain Chip Kelly to me? Hmm. Chip's another one, very, very unique. I think he's a guy who realizes how much money he's made doing the, the one thing he wants to do, which is coach football. And when you've made that much money, you can essentially – you know, take the ego out of it and just do what you want to do. He coached Ryan Day in college. There's a relationship there. It was no secret he wanted to get out of UCLA. Another situation where they probably couldn't afford to fire him this year, but they wanted to, and he was walking into a hot seat next year with a schedule that's absolutely brutal, going to the Big Ten and play at LSU in the non-conference. Great stuff, Matt. Really appreciate your time this morning. Thanks, guys. Matt Fortuna from the Inside Zone talking about college football. And on Sunday, we're going to be talking hockey. Noon to three, bet MGM and 670 score honoring Hall of Famer Chris Chelios, his career in the retirement of jersey number seven on Sunday. Molly and Haw on the weekends, noon to three at Kaiser Tiger. Come and join us. The show expected to feature a visit from the man himself, Chris Chelios. Other special guests are planned. Come by, say hi. Sunday, noon to three, Kaiser Tiger, 1415 West Randolph near the United Center. Bet MGM also celebrating by offering a $7 bonus bet to all customers in Illinois. Bet MGM, the king of sports books. Maybe we'll talk about Connor Bedard in the nine o'clock hour. Maybe we'll talk about what he has done since coming back from a broken job. Maybe we'll talk QB1. Or maybe we'll talk Texas football. What do you want to talk about in nine o'clock, Layla? You are here, your dime, your dance floor. Yeah, I, ah, nice callback, appropriate. Uh, Yeah, I I suggested, I don't know if people have, this seems like a good time where if people have some, uh, some pressing sports questions and takes that this is a good day for it. I still think the Cubs need more free agent signings. I think that's I a good like, place to start. I feel like uh, Texas football has been fine without me. I feel like I've been here now for, for a long enough time. And um, do I have to sign? Do I have to chime in on this top five quarterbacks? Discussion? Yes, we do have to do the top five people quarterbacks. Are texting. If it, I've never seen a segment that is so ingrained in people right now. One week later, people still chiming in. We will get to that as well. Whatever you want, 312-644-6767. The phone lines are open. Layla is here. It's Molly and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular-season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.